feel like as senior leaders, we've stopped asking a very critical question. And that is, what does this look like 20 years from now? Mm-hmm. And just because something's successful today, mm-hmm. and just because it works today, doesn't mean we're gonna like the harvest that it's gonna bring 20 years from now. And if we're not, you, you, you kinda, in, we know all the, the, the wisdom and the Proverbs and all this about, hey, sometimes you're sowing seeds today, bringing a harvest tomorrow, sometimes you're, you're tilling the ground today and all that other good stuff. And I think there's just certain things that we're doing in ministry culture, not even just in, in mm-hmm. American culture, in ministry culture, where it's like, yeah, this, this may work today, but if you track this out 20 years, are we gonna really like where this takes us to? Mm-hmm. And if we can't say we will, we've gotta be disciplined enough to say, I will give up the success that it would bring today because I know in the long run it's gonna hurt me. Mm-hmm. As much as people depend on us as leaders, you need someone who believes in you. You need a place to be open and honest with someone who's walked in your shoes and wants to help you become the leader you are meant to be. This is that place with those kind of people. Welcome to the Relational Leader Podcast with your host, Randy Bazette. Well, welcome to this episode of the Relational Leader Podcast. I'm Kristen, and as always, sitting at the table with Randy. How are you today? This is a very special first time ever podcast type recording. Here. Yes, it is. So today I'm doing I'm doing great. I'm always doing great, but I'm really excited because we're recording this podcast during our Relate conference, and we have some guests here with us in the room as we're recording this in front of a live audience today. Yes. So I'm just so excited. Come on, y'all give yourself a hand clap for being here, being a part of this. Yeah. I love it. You know, we always sit around a table when we have these conversations, and I think there's like 70 extra people pulled up. It, mm-hmm. it, it's a big table today. It's a big table, and it's going to be a great conversation because we have two of your friends joining us oh, today. Uh, one who is familiar to the podcast, Charlotte Gamble's with us. How are you? Yeah. I'm good. Thank you. Yes. And Charlotte, I think this is your third Maybe. Maybe time. Mm -hmm. Um, Starting to be a regular. We're always. Almost. (laughs) Always glad to have you. And we have another friend in the house, Pastor Stephen Chandler. Welcome to the Relational Leader Podcast. Thanks for having me. Excited. It is such an honor to have you here. If, if you don't know Pastor Stephen, you pastor Union Church up in the D.C. area. Yeah. The D.C., Maryland, Virginia, Maryland, yeah. Virginia area. Yes, yeah, so people need to know. I mean, this guy right here is the fastest growing church in America, right? Here. This guy is a fabulous leader, incredible dresser. Oh, I don't even want to. That's why you're sitting over there and I'm over here. Oh, I don't God. look bad, you know. I did notice those shoes. They look, they, I like your shoes. Bright. They, I like them. I like them. Well, we are so glad to have you on the podcast today. And we're going to have some great conversation. Um, just real, honest conversation. Uh, really around a topic that I think churches and uh, church pastors and leaders are trying to figure out and navigate. And we'll see where the conversation goes. But um, there's no surprise that culture has rapidly changed in the last uh, few years. I mean, really throughout time. It's been on a, with rocket uh, fuel the last it few has, years. It has it? been accelerated. Um, and in so many ways, it is impacting the church, our staffs, uh, really, I, we shouldn't say like never before, because when you look at the history mm-hmm. of the world, but it is in our history, it's, it's very impactful. 
And so today's conversation is really, uh, we want to help those that are listening, pastors and church leaders, how do we pastor well? How do we pastor our staff through this? So I kind of want to kick the conversation off and just ask first, what are you guys seeing? What kind of trends, what kind of things are you seeing across, you know, Pastor Charlotte, you build the church all over the world. So you're in churches and speaking to staffs all over the world, what is it, maybe what are some of the biggest things that you're seeing the church up against right now? Um, I think this conversation is the common conversation around <laughs> a lot of tables right now. I yeah. feel like I've had this conversation in many different settings um, where people, I don't know, I think, you know, we say it's a battle of the culture. I think, you know, there's always gonna be change in society. There's always gonna be change in the culture around us. That's just, we should know that as leaders and we should be tooled up for that as leaders and we should be expecting that as leaders. I just think the nature of this wave of change is different maybe than others. I think before, historically, when there's been a change in culture, it's been from, from established organizational cultural changes, if you go back historically. Whereas I think now we're dealing with things that are driven from personality and from individuals instead of institutions. And so I think the nature of what's driving the cultural change is much more individual than it is the corporate. It's much more, mm. you know, somebody over here that starts a thing on the social media, whereas before it used to be something that was a societal cultural change that we responded to. So I think where it's coming from is different. Um, but I do think that, you know, all of us as leaders, we have to have in our arsenal an ability to keep ahead of the changes that you know the bible you know tells us and warns us that's going to be trouble there's going to be change right. mm. and so some of my shock has been that we're all shocked like really we're really all shocked that these things have come our direction so i think that's the first thing i would say the fact that so many people feel so caught off guard and mm -hmm. um, i'm like you know we've got to live vigilant and aware it's like i'm all you know i check my kids social media all the time i ask questions I check in with them all the time because I know that there's real temptation and there's real probability they could stray and I think sometimes in the church we get so blinkered and we get so mm. in our own bubble and then we end up in shock I don't want ever to be in shock about one of my kids right yeah good. I want to know that there's something wrong before the shock stage that's good because then I can talk about the problem and I can educate them and and I think you know, that's what has caught, I think, a lot of people off guard is that there's not been the conversation that helped us get some wisdom before the shock. So I think there are a lot of leaders right now that are shell-shocked. that are like, and I'm like... You didn't see this coming. Right, well, and, not that, and it's not the problem that you need to see coming, but it's the anticipation of this is the territory of leadership, mm -hmm. right? It just right. looks different right now. But this, it, we were talking about that earlier. Like, it's like, you know, this is the territory of leadership. You've got to... We've got to model something that models that leadership is not being on a platform. It's knowing how to deal with these scenarios. So instead of being shocked, we should like be more vigilant and say, okay, right. well, let's do something about it instead of standing around with a shock and awe kind of a look in our eyes. And we don't we have the prophetic within us and don't we have the Holy Spirit within us right. and don't we have that Galatians 5 stay in step with the Spirit? Don't we have the voice of God in us? Don't we have the counsel yeah. and the wisdom of heaven available to us? So there's something to be said for that too <laughs> in the midst of this. I wonder though if, golly, it's, it's hard now to look at people in general and see that the church 
Christians are any different than the world. Mm -hmm. And the, maybe the reason why we don't have the voice of God and we don't have the counsel and the spirit of God leading us because we're too carnal. And I oftentimes wonder if, you know, I look at the average Christian, I even have to evaluate my own life. Am I doing things now that 20 years ago I would have thought, I'm never going to do that. But culture is kind of... That's the Lord. That's the Lord. Rattling the chains. I don't know what the Lord's trying to say, but let's give him some space here. But what are the things now that are acceptable that were not acceptable 20 years ago that we have just allowed to become the norm yeah. and so we look so much like the world the reason why we're shocked is because we're not even in step and in tune with what the spirit and what the word is saying one of the thoughts that comes to mind is that the kingdom of god was always designed to impact and to set culture and one of the reasons why we are so shocked is, yes, we have adopted a lot of culture. We have dropped our moral standards. We've dropped our biblical worldview. But we've also stopped being salt. We've stopped being light in mm -hmm. the darkness. And we've surrendered culture to unbelievers that are able to take it in places mm -hmm. that is obviously not according yep. to God's word. And I, I, we, we just kind of... We, we, we mix up this of the world, in the world, mm -hmm. act like them to reach them, but don't want to be there because that's not what the Bible says. And, and we've just got it all mixed up. I think about what I said about the disciples. These were the men that turned cities upside down. Hmm. They didn't say these are the men that turned their churches upside down. Oh. They said, that That's what's good. a city? A city is government, it's education, it's financial institutions, it's all these different things. I think the church, instead of being afraid of culture, we need to A, double down on who God's called us to be, and then go put the culture right side up. You know, so I want to dig into this whole salt and light. Yeah. And so right now with culture as, I mean, sometimes it can be pretty volatile and, and yeah. you know, and, and how can we as the church approach that, be salt, be light, influence and impact culture, but in the way that Jesus would do it if he were here in 2023? Yeah. Well, you think about Jesus. Um, he preached to the 5,000, but he spent time with the 12, and he pulled the three aside. Jesus came to this earth looking for people to turn his church over to, and he knew that the 5,000 would never get the culture to the level that they needed to in the time that he had. So he focused on the 120, the 12, and ultimately the three. I think it really goes back to old school discipleship making, yeah. <laughs> looking faithful people that can take these truths and spread them to mm. where they are. We've got to get back to looking for culture carriers mm. and making sure that they have a godly culture in them. Oh, I'm all over the place. We also got to stop preaching that God only calls people to the ministry mm. and tell people that you can be called to be an educator a politician, a banker, yep. mm -hmm. a parent, mm -hmm. all these different mountains of influence. Mm -hmm. We need Christian culture carriers in all of these rooms. Mm -hmm. You know, Jesus was a pretty good preacher. Yeah. He preached great sermons, and I don't think anybody can compare to that. But yet his preaching is not what changed people. Because he preached the sermon and everybody left except the 12. Yeah. 
And it's the relational discipleship that he had that, that kept, they said, well, where are we going to go? You hold the words of life and, and truth. And so is the people that he had relationship with. So it truly is what you're saying. It's the discipleship. It's the relationship. It's spending time with people. It's old school, if you will, needs to become new school. Mm -hmm. and, and going back to this spending time with, with people, just hanging out in life, doing relationship with them as leaders, because that's what really affects their own life. And that's what affects culture. Yeah. Yeah. And salt changes the flavor. Mm -hmm. Like you can't tip a pot of salt on a plate of food and it tastes the same. Mm -hmm. And I think so much of what we've done in the church doesn't change the flavor of what's happening in the world. Mm. Wow. Because it's not salt. Wow. And so, you know, we give our opinions and we give our whatever version of what we believe people should be hearing or we do our ministry or whatever but it's it's not a flavor changing conviction it's not a flavor changing truth it's not a flavor changing idea it's just blending in like another ingredient that's already in the pot hmm. so people will take it or leave it because well i can already get that and they actually do that better than you do it but when we're salt, we stand out from the rest. Salt changes things. Salt mm -hmm. changes the entire flavor of a meal. It brings things to the fore and it covers other things up. Mm -hmm. And I think if your church is not changing, mm -hmm. it's not changing the flavor of conversation. It's not changing the flavor of the environment. It's not That's changing right. the flavor of your community. It's not changing the flavor of the schools near where your building is. It's not changing the flavor of marriages. Then, then I would ask, what, what is it salt? Is what you're wow. distributing salt hmm. or is it just another question. version of what the world are already producing because if it is we probably are going to be a poor second because we won't have as big a budget we will have as big marketing hmm. campaign we will have as big resources available hmm. as the people that are marketing whatever the product is that you're now trying and that's what's happened with our culture it's like well we'll try and do what the world do then we don't need to try and do what the world do we just need to be salt hmm. and if you're salt people will come because you taste different that is so good. good. That is so rich. Let's, I want to dig into, so in the, you, you talk, you mentioned something about leadership off of the platform and, and you talked back to old school. Like if we're talking about salt and invading, it's old school discipleship and, yeah. and Jesus, it, it was 12 and it was three and, and you just alluded to discipleship. Mm -hmm. So is there something there where as pastors, as ministry leaders, those listening to this podcast, that we should look to prioritize a little differently in how are we discipling people? How are we helping them to influence culture, to actually change the flavor of something? What does that look like? What are you guys seeing um, make an impact in that area? Oh, this is where I get in trouble because I say stuff I shouldn't say. <laughs> Uh, the Bible says that you got to be the salt, baby. Put it on there. <laughs> Change hey, the flavor. Put a little salt on it, like salt, you know, let's yeah. go. The Bible says, uh, instill these truths to faithful and trustworthy men. In other words, what it says. Oh, here's we're getting trouble. It says, don't disciple everybody. Right. It says, find the people who can carry right. what yes. I'm giving you with faithfulness wow. and are trustworthy. And That's I very think, good. Wow. Before it's the how, it's the who. Yeah, so good. Uh, Dr. Maxwell said this. He said, I never let mentees pick me. I always pick them. Mm. 
based on who I think can maximize what I've given them. Mm -hmm. And I think as a leader, it starts with, I've got to select people that I've already proven in their life, in their character, in their track record before this moment that they want what I'm going to give them that they're gonna be a good steward of it and that there's gonna be a 30, 60, 100 fold return on what I'm investing in them. And then from there, it's, hey, I'm investing in you because I expect you to go and to flip culture in this area where God's called you, in this space, in this space, in this space, and be actually a lot more strategic and intentional about where we're going. You, you, you can unpack it uh, into the way that the world does it, but, it's very interesting that what represents less than 2% of the American population dominates more than 90% of our media, entertainment, music, and all that other good stuff because the enemy was very intentional about putting people in certain places that were influential. And I think the church has lost a little bit of that strategy I'm going to find the right people to put in the right place, and those are who I'm going to invest in. Mm. That is strong. So tell me the characteristics you're looking for. You said you said faithful, faithful and trustworthy. Trustworthy, capable. Mm-hmm. That's stuff that we don't want to talk about. you got to have some ability, some mm-hmm. right. IQ, some mm-hmm. I know who I am. Um, you're, you're looking for humility. You're looking for someone that is looking to build the name of Jesus. Yeah. and not build their own brand. I hate that mm. word, but... Man, it's so it's, true, because people are just looking to ride mm. you so they can get yeah. something for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's so when you, if you're talking to any church leader here, yeah. uh, those that are listening, when you identify those, those people, you reference something that John Maxwell says, he picks them, um, how does that, what is that? Let's just talk practical. We like to get practical here okay. on the podcast. What does that practically look like? Whew. Well, uh, another pastor said, uh, don't expect somebody to do in ministry what they have not been able to do in their personal life. So if someone hasn't built stability and faithfulness in their marriage, in their money, in their career, mm-hmm. in their education, why would we think they'd be able to do that in our connect groups or on our worship team or whatever it may be? So I'm, I'm, I'm pulling people around me. I'm evaluating them, hopefully without them knowing it, to see what does your life look like? Is there stability? Is there consistency? Is there wisdom? Is there proof that you can actually build something and carry some type of responsibility? And when I see that, then I can give you biblical culture, I can give you our organization's culture, because I know that you're gonna be a good steward of that, and then I'm placing you in places that you can actually instill that culture in the next level of leadership. So it's not like, hey, you know, you're not influential enough, or you don't have enough capacity, so I'm not worried about you. No, I'm gonna train somebody that can train you. But if I train you, I'm not gonna be able to have a major impact, but if I train this person, it will trickle all the way to the bottom of the organization. Mm-hmm. And I think for, um, you know, I've spent more of, well, probably now I'm getting older, so <laughs> I say things as if I'm still young, but I'll be 50 this year, so I'm actually getting older. I've done three decades in ministry, but I spent a big part of my ministry, and still do, 
serving other people's vision. That's why I'm here today. You know, that's why I'll go out um, to Stephen's Church at Union and help there because I, that's what God's called me to do. But I do think that one of the things that you're looking for is people that have an ability, I call it, to see the miracle in the mule. Hmm. And what I mean by that is on one of the greatest days for the disciples to be around Jesus's ministry was when he was gonna ride down that street to chants of hallelujah. I mean, that was gonna be a highlight day, right? Mm -hmm. the, there was gonna be really sucky days that followed that, but that was gonna be a highlight day. And yet two of his team, he sends to collect a mule. Mm -hmm. And I think we've lost people who are willing to fetch mules mm -hmm. because they wanna be in the parade. Wow. And unless you see the miracle that is in the mule, which is, this is the chosen wow. vessel that wow. he's gonna sit on yeah. to make that entrance. And he's entrusted me to go get the mule. Mm -hmm. And so he really believes in me that I can go and deliver something that other people would think was beneath mm -hmm. them or not see the value in. Mm -hmm. And I've spent my entire life fetching mules, mm. my entire ministry. Mm. Uh, you know, whether it's, you know, going and picking up laundry for somebody or whether it's looking after one someone's kids or whether it's helping with a pastor that needs a leadership, you know, you know all of the asks are the same when you realize if this is a vehicle, not not that I'm being used because you can be used, sure. but I but but Jesus didn't use the disciples. There was there was a reason was he'd perfect. say to them, hey, go ahead of me and find a room. Somebody's going to give you a room where you can set a table. You know, it, you know, it's like Aaron and her who are like, your, your job all day is basically to uphold Moses' armpits mm -hmm. all day. And no one's gonna <laughs> thank you for it and it's gonna be a smelly job. But if his arms drop, we lose. And if his arms are extended, we win. So everybody wants to be Joshua. And I think the people that you put in that place, um, because, because this is the other thing, you know, if you do a jigsaw puzzle, right? Every piece belongs on the board. Mm -hmm but every piece doesn't get the same place, right? That's good, yeah. So if I have a piece, there's only four other pieces potentially that are touching that one piece, right? right? Mm -hmm. But all the others are touched somehow, but they don't get to touch that piece. Right. And what we're talking about is the people that get to touch that piece, your piece, you need to understand that that proximity, proximity, I teach this on the collective that I do with the women that I mentor, proximity increases intimacy. Mm -hmm. right and intimacy leads to fertility mm. so once you put that person in your team whether you intend it or not there's going to be a level of intimacy you just provided in the scene behind the scenes with you they're hanging out with you they're in that room with you they're hearing a conversation in a green mm -hmm. room with you so if they're not miracle mule people mm -hmm. and they're in it for a different agenda then the intimacy you just gave them through that proximity, they're gonna produce something. They're mm -hmm. gonna get fertile with something mm -hmm. that wow. may be not what you want them to be fertile with. Mm -hmm. That's where we get Ishmael's from instead mm -hmm. of Isaac's. Mm -hmm. So I think what we do is, because we think we should disciple everyone, we give everybody the same proximity, mm -hmm. which gives everybody the same intimacy. And then you wonder why you've got fertility in your leaders that's not bearing children that you want on your team or in your church wow. or in your staff. And you have to understand you recruited people because they said they loved you and you're great and I love your preaching. I want to serve the church and great, awesome. Just send them for a few mules. Yes. Wow. So, so here's the thought that comes to mind. Mm -hmm. Is it possible as senior leaders, we've stopped fetching mules? Right, exactly. 
So one of the things that crosses my mind as we're talking about culture is one of one of one of the big aspects of culture today is how fast can I get it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about nowadays, you know, billionaires are 26 and <laughs> just created right. this app and this crypto and this and that right. and everybody's like, I want to retire at 40 and everything is how fast can I get it? And there's nothing fast about discipleship. Right. There's nothing fast about duplicating our heart in those around us. And as a senior leader, there's such a temptation of how can I get the next growth barrier, the next thing, the next thing, as fast as I possibly can. Mm -hmm. And by taking the temptation of expediting my journey, I'm actually passing this culture of don't fetch mules if you don't have to. Just exactly. post it on Instagram and they'll get it out there faster than mm-hmm. fetching a mule and you can ride in on a reel <laughs> instead of riding <laughs> in on a mule and get the same. But just because it's expedited doesn't mean it's going to be tested mm-hmm. and stand time. And Jesus never stopped doing that. Like right. you, you read this. That was the end of it. In- like literally like their entire journey was take these baskets, put them in a boat. I'll see you the other side. Go ahead and find me a table. Go get me water. Go, go ahead. You know, like Jesus like was forever mixing that. So in the middle of the miracles, well, there was always the mundane. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. just are breeding a generation of leaders that just say, well, if there's not a miracle, then it clearly isn't Jesus. I'm like, no, the miracle is in the mundane. Mm-hmm. It's in, it's in that stuff that we all grew up doing. And mm-hmm. so I think, you know, staying as a leader mm-hmm. in that place of seeing those miracles and mules is crucial. I remember growing up, or when our kids were growing up, is, is teaching them this whole idea that the real test of their character is not when you tell them, yes, mm-hmm. can I have that cake? Can I have that candy? Can I go play with my friends? They're gonna love you in those moments. It's when you say no is the real test of their character. And so the people that you're disciple and leading and trying to get close to you, oh, they're gonna love you when you're telling them yes. So sometimes you almost need to create these moments of testing of character yeah. is give them the mundane to do. Mm-hmm. Anyway, just the test. And as Jesus didn't just do it once with them, but he was continually giving them these mundane tasks and this, this idea of testing their heart and seeing the humility of where they are. Because if they won't do the thing that is obscure, and they're only looking for the thing to help them to be seen, then we're actually just developing people that are self-serving mm-hmm. rather than the fulfilling the mission, the church, and growing the church. Mm-hmm. I feel like as senior leaders, we've stopped asking a very critical question, and that is, what does this look like 20 years from now? Mm-hmm. And just because something's successful today, mm-hmm. and just because it works today, doesn't mean we're gonna like the harvest that it's going to bring 20 years from now. And if we're not, you, you, you kind of, you, we know all the, the, the wisdom and the Proverbs and all this about, hey, sometimes you're sowing seeds today, bringing a harvest tomorrow. Sometimes you're, you're tilling the ground today and all that other good stuff. And I think there's just certain things that we're doing in ministry culture, not even just in, mm-hmm. in American culture, in ministry culture, where it's like, yeah, this, this may work today, but if you track this out 20 years, are we gonna really like where this takes us to? Mm-hmm. And if we can't say we will, we've gotta be disciplined enough to say, I will give up the success that it would bring today because I know in the long run it's gonna hurt me. Mm-hmm. I, let me ask you a question then. What are we doing as a church today that in 20 years from now, we're gonna have realized we built the wrong thing? Online church. 
Let's talk about it. Okay. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. What do you mean? Online is an amazing tool. It is powerful. It's not church. Yeah. I have to agree with you. Paul said that you have many teachers, few fathers. And he was not bashing teachers. I can't tell you. I'm a preaching junkie. And I mean, from 16 years old, when I'm, I didn't go to the gym and work out much. But if I was ever in the gym working out, I was listening to preaching. I was not listening to music or any. And I'm listening to Wendell Smith, oh. Bill Winston. I mean, just all over the place. And they were great teachers in my life that shaped my doctrine and theology. They never walked this mm -hmm. journey with me. Mm -hmm. Only a father mm -hmm. will walk a journey with you. And, and we've confused because somebody online is teaching me right. and their teaching is blessing my life. That's enough for me. Mm -hmm. And it's not enough for Christ to be formed in you and for you to maximize the call of God on your life. You need a father and a mother that can walk with you. Here's what online church does. It lets me see, but it doesn't allow me to be seen. Right. Mm -hmm. yep. And if I'm not seen, my blind spots remain blind. So are you saying that you shouldn't have online church? I'm saying you should not have online church like you shouldn't invite people to church, have mailers and all that. Of course not. It's a great marketing tool. Mm -hmm. It's a great front door. Most people will check out your church online right. before they walk through the door. Everybody should have their services online, period. It's just the first step. It's not the finish line. Yeah. And if you create it as a finish line, we are going to have a generation of self-serving, underdeveloped Christians mm -hmm. 20 years from now that have no heart for the kingdom of God. And we're not going to know what to do with it. We're not There's gonna know so many things about online church that I don't know how to incorporate biblical things. Like, how do you do the laying on of hands? <laughs> They're in online. I don't, yeah. I don't know. How do you have corporate anointing? watching online and so I, I'm in this thing in my own heart right now where I'm trying to figure out what do we do with online church because it, it is helping us for people to get familiar with who we are and they're hearing the word of God but I don't know how to incorporate those corporate anointing things that it's we it's a shop window that's all it is yes mm -hmm. just think of it like you do a, sh a, mall, a shop window just because you look in the shop window doesn't mean you've been in the store mm-hmm so I think it's a shop window and that's all you can ever think. It's like they're watching the show. And I think then you uncouple yourself from a wrong responsibility because they're not attaching anything to it that wants that responsibility. You know, right. like if you want if you want to actually have something from the store, you have to come in the store <laughs> and actually take it off the rack and actually right. try it on and then actually pay for it before you can take it home. Right. And right. I think there's just a lot of online shopping spiritually mm -hmm. that's getting people to have a lot of items that they think make them spiritual yep. but they actually have never been in the store that's true one of the things the kingdom of god struggles with is balance we want everything yeah. to be black or white yeah. and most of it is gray so if you talk to a bunch of senior leaders they either love online church this is the future get with the wave or they absolutely hate it. This is not God, I don't know where it's, it's not either or, it's both and. Mm -hmm. This serves this, this purpose, purpose. Yeah. and when used for this purpose, it will probably be one of the greatest tools the kingdom of God mm -hmm. has ever seen. Yeah. 
But if we take it outside of what it was designed for and try to use it to replace the ecclesia, the united, knitted together body of Christ, that's when we get in trouble. It's not either or, it's both yeah. and. Uh, we like to say it around here is that it's not a problem to solve, it's attention to manage. Yeah. And as the book of Ecclesiastes says, I believe it's 714, it says, it is good to grasp the one, but not let go of the other. Yeah. The person who fears the Lord avoids extremes. Yeah. So it's trying to figure out how to manage the tension of those things, of letting people check us out through the front door of online church, but bring them into a place where they can be a part of the ecclesia. It's a group of people that are gathered for a cause or for a purpose. And it's like driving a car. If the speed limit is 65 miles per hour. I always go 70, 72, though. Listen, that's God. <laughs> my, that's great. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, he drove like Jehu. That's That's... <laughs> If the speed limit is 65 miles per hour, you're either going to go 62 because you're not paying attention or 77. To keep it at 65 on the dot is impossible because you're ebbing and flowing with traffic. Mm -hmm. And what we want is we want this set it and forget it. I figured it out. That's the solution. And let me move on to the next problem. Mm -hmm. And that's not leadership. Sometimes I'm a lean into online too much and I've got to correct. Sometimes I'm ignoring online and I'm only leaning in person. And I've got to understand that my church is a living organism that I mm -hmm. constantly have to be taking the pulse and checking the health and figuring out, do we need to accelerate in this season? Do we need to decelerate? Mm -hmm. How do we lead in this season? Because the reality is we all have people showing up in our church who live in some other state and they go, we wanted to come down. It's baptism Sunday. We're getting baptized. And, and you meet those people and like their lives really have mm -hmm. been impacted but how much are they really a part of the church? Yeah. And they were going to nobody's church before. Before. And like, they, right. Yep. So, and, and we can't lose that mm -hmm. because it, people desperately need the hope mm -hmm. of God. But after that, now what do we do? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, I love, I love the, it's not an either or, it's a both and in this whole gray, it, what you were talking about. That is the truth in so many cases. But let me ask this question as we kind of near the end of our time. There are some things in culture that are black and white that are influencing the church. Um, how are you, what are, what are you guys seeing? How can we help our staff, our leaders, our volunteers be able to navigate truth biblical truth and i think each of you have kind of talked about how uh, you you steven i think in another session at relate you talked about how you you're a pastor's kid right you grew up in the church and charlotte you've you were this you grew up in the church as well and and been and, in the same and church same all my church. life yeah but there's so many there's deep there's deep roots there yeah. are things that have been instilled in both of you um that there are people coming up in our churches that don't have that same depth. They don't have that same root structure. Yeah. Therefore, when culture starts to invade, there are questions of, well, wait, where is the line of truth? Is this one gray or is this one truth? And how do we handle it as the church? And so right. how do you lead through that as we kind of come to the close of our discussion today? One of the things that we've missed is we're supposed to be teaching before the world teaches. And the world is teaching and we're coming behind to correct. And that was never mm. God's standard. You think about Deuteronomy. Mm. Before he let them in the promised land, he said, before you get in there, let me remind you of my commands. Teach it to your children. Bind it around your yeah. arm. Bind it on your forehead. Because mm -hmm. there's people in there who don't live like this. 
And before I expose you to them, let me make sure you know the truth first. So before the world talks about gender fluidity and homosexuality or whatever it may be, we should be talking about it in the kingdom of God, and we haven't. So now we've allowed the world to educate before we have educated. Mm. The other thing is we talk a lot about right or wrong, good or evil. You think about Genesis 2, God said, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge. Mm -hmm. We think it's the tree of evil. It's not the tree of evil. Mm -hmm. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't do this because that's what bad people do. Don't do this because that sin was never how God wanted his truth to be taught. Mm -hmm. He always wanted it to be taught through relationship, yeah. mm -hmm. through life. Why is this wrong? Not because we hate those people. No, we love all people. Mm -hmm. Why is this? Because it destroys mm -hmm. lives. Mm -hmm. And God loves you so much. He doesn't want you to do anything mm -hmm. that will destroy your life. And we're not teaching it from a place of that decision steals your life. Mm -hmm. We're teaching it from a place of that decision's evil. It's mm -hmm. wrong. It's disgusting. It's mm -hmm. an abomination. It's it's we're, we're teaching from the knowledge mm -hmm. of good and evil mm -hmm. instead of teaching from the tree of life. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. That is a great point. I think we have to address the culture. And I think the problem is that people walk into our church and we can't preempt what they've learned from the world. Mm -hmm. They come into the church worldly mm -hmm. and addressing those things. I think are extremely important that we have to speak to those topics and Jesus didn't shy away from hot takes and hot topics he he spoke into those things but I think it's from the position it's a heart thing it's not so that we can tell them that they're wrong but so we can help them understand truth and do it with salt to where it's savory it makes them want to receive that you know it is righteousness the scripture says that exalts a nation it's righteousness that exalts a church or exalts a family or whatever it is but it's not righteousness in the sense of I'm right and you're wrong it's the kind of righteousness that hits the knees and says God we humble ourselves and say what have we done to dishonor your name and it is in that position that's the righteousness that then exalts and we have to teach it from that heart with the world that this is dishonoring of God and this is who he is and this is what his word says so let's repent and it's from that place that God will exalt the church and the nation to where or the family wherever it should be yeah. and I just think that's the mindset rather than so many people want to rant and tell them where they're wrong and and I, and I don't, don't think that's the right position. Jesus never taught of that. Well, Proverbs talks a lot about wisdom mm -hmm. and how wisdom sets a table and invites you to come sit down mm -hmm. and dine with wisdom. Mm -hmm. The Bible says, walk with the wise, you'll become wise. I just don't think there's a lot of wisdom. I think there's a lot of opinion. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of shouting, but it says folly stands on the street corner and shouts. Oh yeah. And I think we can be loud, but we lack in wisdom. But when people hear wisdom, like God given wisdom, like even if someone doesn't agree with you, mm -hmm. they'll walk away going, but that was wise, right? Mm -hmm. And I think we've got to get wisdom back. And I think we've got to get the presence of God back. And I think so the presence of God coupled with wisdom is something that that the world actually they don't mind that 
In, in fact, they actually are intrigued by that. Like yeah. I can sit with my friend, my daughter's university friends who are complete heathens. She lives with a bunch of girls, all in different life, lifestyles, and they follow me and they listen to me. She's like, mom, they're fascinated. Hmm. They don't they don't agree with you, but they're fascinated because uh -huh. they're not offended by you, but they are convicted hmm. and they do go, oh, because even their own parents aren't saying that to them, hmm. you know, and I think there's just something to be said. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in the seats of your church. Yes. <laughs> that you're not empowering to have a voice because personality is more attractive than wisdom. Hmm and gift and talent is more attractive than wisdom mm. and i think there's some old timers on seats in your church that have more wisdom to offer people in your church than that great 20 year old but hasn't really lived a life yet they don't know <laughs> hasn't <enough> actually yet. <laughs> got married yet hasn't actually had children yet hasn't actually done like they need to hear wisdom because they're gonna have to walk this journey and i'm thankful for the gift that's in them but if the gift that's in them is the only thing that we profile and we don't have the voice of wisdom walking alongside how can they become wise if we don't let them walk with the wise yeah. and so mm -hmm. i think wisdom and the presence of god needs to really come back to the forefront of the church well, studies are showing right now that people more than ever are looking for truth yeah it's hard to find truth right now and so we have that and we have it in our churches as well and it's we've always you know go after the younger people and get them in your church but we need the older wiser people right. to speak truth to the younger people so that we can train them up as you said so they can be faithful and and good stewards of the opportunity as i said before how we so struggle with balance it's grace and truth. Mm -hmm. Yes. And you always have the people, mm -hmm. grace, 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 and no truth. Mm -hmm. Or truth, 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 and no grace. No grace. And it, thought came to my mind, the only way I can be disgusted with somebody else's sin is the day I forget that I one day was disgusting. Mm -hmm. And it, it's not just what I share but it's the place from which I share it. Paul went through all these different okay. sins, liars, thieves, homosexual offenders, of which some of you were mm -hmm. at some point. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, um, this is just Stephen just trying to keep my life together. Mm -hmm. Let me never forget mm -hmm. the blood that was shed for my sin mm -hmm. and yeah. who I was before having an encounter yeah. with the cross. Yeah. And if every time I address lies, culture, things that are opposite to the word of God. Mm -hmm. Every time I address it, I address it from a place of that used to be me, mm -hmm. but for the grace of God. Yeah. Instead of, let me tell you what God's word says <laughs> and why you're messed up. And yeah. it, the tone will be completely off and tone cancels truth mm -hmm. so True. much. So good. And I just challenge the leaders that are listening. I know we've got some in the room because we're live today. Um, and they're not dead, they are alive, believe you me. <laughs> they are, they're um, writing a bunch of notes yeah, down. But I would just challenge everyone that's listening to, to write down who, to, to wrap up everything we're talking about, to write down who are the people that you are choosing to walk with. Mm -hmm. Like who are the people that you are accountable to? Mm -hmm. Who are your wise conversation? Who have you given that proximity to? Yeah. 
because I'm telling you, there are some leaders that are, that are trying to figure this out on their own. And it's like, you, you don't have to figure it out on your own. There's a lot of wisdom out there, mm -hmm. but we've become so proud and so doing our thing that we've forgotten that we're supposed to walk together. And this is why I love that the name of this conference is Relate. And that's why I honor Pastor Randy and Amy for their heart, which is to relate, yes. not just to put a conference on, but actually to say, hey, we're here for you. We'll mm -hmm. walk with you. Mm -hmm. we'll, be, we'll be there for you. We'll mm -hmm. pray for you. And I think there's just a lot of leaders that are probably listening. I just say, look, don't think that you're the ultimate wisdom in your world. If you're the yeah. ultimate wisdom in your world, your world's in trouble. The world's mm -hmm. too small. Right? <laughs> it's like, that's why I love being around, you know, wise people like Stephen and others. And I'm like, I'm listening. I'm learning like what the wise walk with the wise. And so okay. I'd ask anyone that's listening today, mm -hmm. start with you. Like, okay. like who are you walking with that's adding that wisdom? Wisdom sets a table. That tells you something about wisdom. Mm -hmm. It sits down. It takes its time. It doesn't shout at you. It doesn't preach a sermon to you. Mm -hmm. It wants a conversation. It wants yes. to pour into you. Who is that in your life and who are you doing that to in your love? That's so good. Well, guys, this conversation has been so rich mm -hmm. and we could continue on and on, but we're going to close out the conversation around the table today. And we're so thankful that yes. both of you joined us and shared the wisdom that God's given you. And I know it challenged everyone that's joining us here live in the room and those that are listening as well, whether they're driving or working out or whatever <laughs> it is they might find themselves doing. Um, we are truly honored to have you a part of the podcast today. Yeah. Thank you guys for so having much. us. Thank you. Yes, and those listening, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Relational Leader Podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Relational Leader Podcast. For more resources, visit randybazette.com.